Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. On April 3rd, the Walt Disney Company will be hosting its annual meeting of shareholders, and we need you all to vote for your board. It's important you vote only for Disney's 12 nominees using the white proxy card. Do not vote for the Tryon Group or Blackwell's nominees. Learn more at VoteDisney.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. It is Friday, April 14th. In the summer of 2019, I went to a party on a Sunday afternoon at Rupert Murdoch's house in Los Angeles. It wasn't that special. There were hundreds of people there. Still, I've been a Murdochologist for most of my career. I find him and his businesses and his family fascinating. And he lives on this really cool winery property in the Hidden Canyon in Bel Air, not that far from the 405 freeway. On the invite, this event said it was to celebrate the Moraga wine label that has grown on the Murdoch property. But it was also to show the town that Rupert, who was then 88, was healthy and in good spirits and recovered from a serious fall earlier that year and an even more serious back injury on a yacht the year before. He was also emerging from the sale of most of his Fox Media Company to Disney for $71 billion, a deal that closed in early 2019 and had actually begun when Bob Iger came over to the property for a glass of wine. Rupert was making the rounds that day with his son, Lachlan, CEO of the remaining Fox Corp., and his wife at the time, Jerry Hall. All smiles and no signs of trouble. I thought of that scene this week when I read a very intriguing cover story by Gabe Sherman in Vanity Fair with all kinds of new details about Murdoch's life these days, some of the health scares and personal troubles he's dealing with. And at the same time, his company is under fire like never before in the U.S. with the $1.6 billion lawsuit brought against Fox News by Dominion Voting Systems, the trial starting next week that we've talked about on this show. He's now 92. And Rupert had to be held up at a wedding recently due to a particularly bad and lingering COVID case, according to Gabe's story. Last year, he divorced Jerry Hall, his fourth wife, via an email. And he got engaged to a woman named Ann Leslie Smith, a former dental hygienist and conservative talk radio host with QAnon-style politics, though they called off the wedding recently. It's all very Logan Roy, without the death part. And perhaps most like Logan... Rupert is estranged from at least one of his children, James Murdoch, whose politics are more liberal and who quit the company in disgust. No one knows quite how the Murdoch empire will be run once Rupert is gone. His four adult kids will have an equal say. There's Prudence, who's older and has never been involved in the business. Elizabeth in the UK, who's successful in her own right. Lachlan, who runs the company now. And James. Some believe James' ultimate goal is to get in there and destroy Fox News. These three could join forces and take the company away from Lachlan. And indeed, sources told Sherman that's the plan. So with the Dominion case kicking off and the new VF story, it seemed like the right time to bring Gabe on the show to go deeper on Rupert Murdoch, where he is, where the empire stands now, how his health's doing, and why, as Gabe wrote, the Murdochs all seem so sad these days. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. 
All right, we are here with Gabriel Sherman, who is special correspondent at Vanity Fair and also a screenwriter. He did the uh, help do the great Roger Ailes show on Showtime, which was based on his reporting. Uh, welcome, Gabe. Good to see you, Matt. All right, so let's get into this. Your piece in VF that just posted this week was fantastic. Um, I am a Murdochologist. I follow this stuff religiously, as I know you have for a long time. Uh, the thing that stuck with me after reading the story of all the crazy details in this piece was this line that you wrote after interviewing dozens of people for this story. I was struck by how sad all the Murdoch's seem. Why are the Murdoch's so sad these days? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And I guess it's the world's tiniest violin is playing for them, <laughs> but you know, but yeah, it's true. You know, it's it's really uh, it's it, this is the age old story of you know money is just not the not everything, and they have you know more money than God, and yet the family is completely at odds with each other. They've you know one wing of the family, especially aligned with James, thinks that Fox News has you know destroyed uh, America. You have you know Rupert and Lachlan, you know intent on keeping holding the line on conservative media. And you have, you know, Liz and, and Prudence in the middle, you know, really just trying to, you know, feel like they're not cast out of the family by choosing sides. And so, and then you have the, we can get into this, the messy divorce from Jerry Hall, the bizarre two-week engagement to Ann Leslie Smith. I mean, this is a family that, you know, instead of just enjoying themselves, seems like they just can't you know, they can't hold it together. And so um, the scheming, and this is one of the things that, you know, art imitating life, you know, the one thing that I think succession, we can also talk about that captures so brilliantly is that it is true. This family is just constantly scheming and angling and trying to gain more power within this empire that Rupert has created. Yeah. So let's talk about that divorce because there is a eye popping detail in your piece, not just that Rupert sent an email to Jerry Hall telling her that he was calling off the wedding and that she would hear from his New York lawyer. Uh, but the, the settlement, I, I don't understand this. Why would he put in the settlement specifically that she could not give ideas to the writers of succession? It, why be that specific in a divorce settlement? Why not just say, you can't talk to anybody about our marriage? I know it's incredible. The, um, you know, all the Murdochs will, will tell people that they swear they don't watch Succession. A, a friend of Jerry's told me that when she watched it, she'd have to sneak into a room in Rupert's Bel Air house and watch it alone because he would get so mad as she was watching it. So you believe that Rupert has never seen it? I'm not sure I believe that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but regardless whether he has or he hasn't, you know, the, the writers of Succession and Jesse Armstrong, the brilliant creator of the show, you know, they're living rent free in the Murdoch's heads. You know, they're, they're obsessed with the show. And I, I think the fact that the divorce attorneys put that line in the settlement just, you know, shows that they're, it's almost like they know how true it is and they just don't want to feel like they have any part in it. Well, I mean, so many things have been lifted from the Murdoch real life, even the Logan death, which I think we can talk about without a spoiler denotation now, even the Logan death on the private jet. I mean, that mirrors what happened to Rupert on the yacht where exactly. he had to, you know, he had to be airlifted in the private jet. And there were some scary moments on the jet that he may not make it. Of course. Yeah, no, I, I saw that when I was watching last weekend. I, you know, they transposed the uh, the episode where he collapsed going to the bathroom on the yacht in 2018 
to just put it on a jet and he collapsed. And obviously in the show, um, he didn't come back from that. But uh, yeah, it is amazing. And I've always wondered um, whether the writers have, um, you know, people close to the family, you know, suggesting things. Obviously, they they draw on everything that's been reported um, on the Murdochs, but it just it rings so true in so many ways. And um, and, you know, there's the, the other delicious detail I love in my story is that you know, Rupert and Lachlan, you know, have were worried that James was feeding stories to the writers and James, James's people denied that. So it's just like, it's it's just, do you believe that? that? Do you think James was? No, I don't think so. I mean, ha- listen, whether people closer, his friends were possibly, but I, no, I don't think James would have ever gotten on the phone or sat down with those guys. Hmm, interesting. Just, you know, if nothing else for the plausible deniability of it all. Sure. You may have a guy. Who does that? Yeah. Um, all right. So you mentioned the Rupert health stuff and a lot of the details in your story are pretty alarming about how frail he is. Mm-hmm. This is a guy whose mother lived past a hundred and he's always said, you know, I'm as strong as a horse. I will live forever. He didn't do the Sumner Redstone. I will live forever thing, but he basically implied there's nothing to worry about. I am the head of this company and they have endured scandal after scandal and transaction after transaction, things that people said, Oh, they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is your assessment now of the state of Rupert's health and how he's doing? Yeah, it's a great question. And that was a definitely something that I learned in my reporting that was very new to me is that, um, you know, he is a lot, he's really a shell of his former self. And, you know, it, it got me thinking that, you know, we haven't seen him very much in public. You know, there's been the kind of careful leaks to the Daily Mail of him coming out of the ocean with his new girlfriend. Oh, and, I saw those photos. Can't unsee that. Yeah. And it's as someone who worked for Rupert joked to me, they're like, it was like his Daniel Craig moment coming out of the water. And James, <laughs> Except not. Except not. Yeah. And, you know, but but the point is, is that, you know, he's rarely seen in public. And so, you know, he looms large in all of our imaginations as this kind of all powerful mogul. And the truth is, is that he's been sequestered mostly by himself and having these serious health episodes um, and I think so much of the power of the Murdoch world flows, you know, really stems from the fact that Rupert is there pulling the strings behind the scenes. And you think so? You don't yeah. think that Lachlan has firmly established himself? Because if you go to conferences and you go to the, you know, the business stuff, Lachlan is in charge. But you think the power is still yeah, stemming know, from the fact that I know that this Rupert- from, and I know this from covering, you know, putting on my political reporter hat, covering the Trump White House. You know, Trump world rarely talked about Lachlan. They had almost no personal relationship with him. I mean, everything, you know, when Jared Kushner wanted something done, he called Rupert. Um, so I don't, you know, Lachlan is spending most of his time in Australia. You know, the real, I mean, this is also, this wasn't in my story just because it wasn't, I wasn't really deep in the weeds on corporate structure, but the real guy running the company is Viet Din. I mean, right. Lachlan is the figurehead, but the day-to-day running of the company is, you know, Viet Dinh runs it out of uh, Los Angeles. So, um, Oh, he's in LA. I thought he was in New York. Well, both, but you know, when Lachlan comes to the States, he's mostly in, mostly in LA. So they still have that Beverly Hillbillies mansion in the Hills. right? So, so the point is, is that, you know, Rupert still is the spiritual figurehead of this company. And if his health is really seen as, you know, he's on his last legs. I just think a lot of the power that that the company has is, you know, diminished. And that's why they've been trying to keep it so secret. 
And I was actually amazed that the COVID, especially the COVID hospitalization, was able to they they kept that out of the press at the time. Right. I know, especially going to a public event like he did where he had to be held up. I mean, that doesn't sound good. I know. And if you see the pictures in the Daily Mail where he's walking, um, Liz, you know, any of the pictures, he's surrounded by people like they, you know, you can really see it now in hindsight. It makes sense how weak he was. Interesting. You also write that in his older age, he's been kind of radicalized by his own echo chamber of media at Fox News. And that's an interesting shift because for all the politics on Fox and in his outlets around the world, Rupert has always been known as being somewhat uh, pragmatic mm -hmm. and yes, conservative, but he was pro-immigration. He had, you know, very business-oriented conservative beliefs. And you say that that has taken a turn in recent years. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, what's the best way to say this? You know, he, um, a lot of this was like COVID, right? I mean, the whole world shut down. So for the last, you know, mostly two and a half plus years, he was, you know, essentially siloed either in Montana at his ranch or in Bel Air at his vineyard. And he was, you know, only seeing people inside the Fox News bubble um, and, and you know, presumably watching a lot of Fox News. So in that way, he's like many of our parents who have been kind of radicalized by that echo chamber. Yeah. And I think the, one of the other forces pushing him to the right is his son, Lachlan. You know, Lachlan is the most conservative of all the Murdochs. You know, if you look at some of the politics he's pushed in Australia, you know, really kind of radical anti-immigration um, policies. Um, the, uh, you know, Rupert and Lachlan have sort of been, you know, aligned. And so I think, I think that, you know, Rupert, especially a lot of this context, Matt, comes up about his relationship with Anne Leslie Smith. Mm -hmm. And I went down the rabbit hole, like reading her old Facebook posts. I oh, mean, she did, you know, her politics are totally like in QAnon land. And so for Rupert to go from Jerry Hall, who was a BBC watching liberal, to wanting to spend time with a evangelical um, former police chaplain who believes that Bill Gates planned uh, COVID at Davos. I mean, that, that, <laughs> to me, that just shows you like where kind of his head is at. But why'd they call off the wedding? I mean, other than the obvious that a 92-year-old probably doesn't need to have another yeah. wedding, but why did they call it off? I, you know, I've heard two versions. One, one version close to the family was that, you know, her politics got too crazy. And the line, it was in my piece that, um, you know, she said that Tucker Carlson was a messenger from heaven. And Rupert said, nope, that's that's it. That's too much for even for me. But the other thing I think is that, um, you know, someone else said, well, she also was really unhappy with being in the public eye. You know, for the two weeks after the engagement, there was just nonstop headlines around the world. The Daily Mail, Daily Bees, Vanity Fair about her. And I think she was that created some tension. But. Um, but most likely, I know that the the family was not happy with this, you know, soon to be fifth uh, fifth wife. So, you know, the the idea that he get married at ninety two. Um, so, I think there was, you know, Rupert. I know was um, getting a lot of pressure to call it off. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is back. Wait, wasn't that a movie from two thousand nine? Okay. Anyway, I do love more hours of daylight. But if you're hiring. It really doesn't matter because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. 
Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter sends it to 100 plus job sites and then uses smart technology to find people with the skills and experience to match the position. So spring forward with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash town. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. All right, I want to talk about the future of the company because that's why this stuff matters. Yeah. You know, when Rupert is up there and not doing great, we have to talk about the succession question. And you report that this complicated scenario where, I guess it's not that complicated, where the four kids will each have a vote and they can determine what happens. Mm -hmm. It really puts the pressure on the kids to figure their shit out and kind of come together and come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. It notably takes the power potentially away from Lachlan Mm -hmm. because he's just one vote, you know, and he's a CEO now and he has the full backing of his father, but he's just going to be one vote in the future. And if James gets together with Liz and Prudence and says, you know what? Fox news is a, bad thing for the world let's dismantle it change it sell it drop a nuclear bomb on it there's not much that lachlan can do about that correct yes james would need the votes of his two sisters to for, to get control of the company that said you know if it's a tie if he can only get the support of liz and if prudence you know wants to maintain the status quo you know, then it's a tie and, you know, it's... What happens then? I mean, no one knows. I mean, that's one of the great mysteries. This is why it's such a drama. No one knows how it's going to end. I mean, there's a common speculation inside Murdoch world that, you know, they'll just sell the company, you know, whether sell sell Fox News to private equity or or merge it with, with Newsmax or, you know, some conservative billionaire buys it. Um, I don't, I mean... I know that Lachlan does not seem to have the hunger to run this empire the way Rupert built it. And so, you know, faced with a ugly family civil war, I mean, maybe he decides to just cash out. I wonder what Fox News would go for if they sold it on the open market. Yeah, I mean... Because you're not just paying for the revenue stream. You're paying for the kingmaker status. You're paying for a seat at the table in every Republican event in the world. You are, you know, you're, you're paying for that audience and that audience has proven to be very valuable as old and as kind of dying off as they are. Yeah. It's still a hugely, arguably the most powerful media outlet in America and potentially the world. Yeah, no, it is still the nerve center of the Republican party and anybody that wants to be Anyone that wants to win a Republican primary has to win the Fox News audience. I mean, that's just been proven for the last 25 years. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's essentially. But that is a Murdoch thing. Yes. Rupert did that. He did it with Roger Ailes and he has now done it with himself. 
And there's a real question if Joe Blow conservative billionaire buys Fox, will they be able to maintain that? Yeah, I mean, Chris Ruddy has tried to do it with Newsmax and the One American News guys have tried to do it. And yeah, it's not as it's not as easy. Um, it's obviously very hard, as you, as you said. But um, yeah, I've always said that it's not just that Fox is conservative. There is a particular special sauce that Roger created, whether it's the vibrant screen or the outrage politics or the, you know, poking at liberals or uh, the whole package is is irresistible to that audience. But but here's the thing. This is and this is another point I made in the piece that I find so fascinating. Yes, Ailes, Roger created that formula. But after his firing and then his death, you know, the Fox essentially started running on autopilot. And the only thing that producers and executives knew would guarantee ratings was Trump. And essentially, Donald Trump became the programming chief of Fox News, and they ceded control of the network to his audience, not the Fox News audience. And that essentially created the trap that Rupert got in with this whole Dominion uh, mess, because to appease the angry Trump audience, they had to then embrace these bogus, phony election lies, which then got them into this existential lawsuit. So, you know, it is kind of this, this crazy irony that the thing that made Fox so powerful could actually be the thing that, you know, helps destroy it. Yes. I don't think, even if this is a billion-dollar verdict, um, I don't think Fox will be destroyed by it. No, no, and I, I, I agree. I don't think materially it is a threat to the long-term business. I just mean reputationally. Right. What we've already seen in these Dominion filings, you know, as a reporter who's covered Fox for, gosh, too many years in the remember, I would just love, like, to have access to those emails and those text messages like I've learned more about the inner workings of Fox in the last six months than I have in years because of what Dominion has been able to put on the record. So I just think that Fox has been so wounded reputationally because it's now so clear that they're nothing but propagandists. In their own words, they all admit to lying to their audience. Yeah, I know. They use that euphemism. We have to have respect for the respect audience. Respect for the audience. Right. They have to be heard. The audience needs to be heard. Right. We are upsetting them and they need to know that we respect them. Yeah. And that's basically, we need to feed them the lies because that's what they want to see. Yeah. And the other thing about just on the Dominion um, trial, you know, Rupert, what it, you know, he considers himself a newsman at heart, right? He loves his newspapers. He loves seeing the headlines and what's going to be on the front page. And, you know, there's this moment on election night when Jared calls Rupert and says, you know, Donald's losing his mind and you got to retract the Arizona calls. And in the deposition, Rupert said that uh, he told Kushner, well, the numbers are the numbers. And so Rupert committed an act of journalism. Right. And that's the thing that ended up punishing Fox. Rupert was being a journalist. And the Fox and, and it only happened because he decided that to get ahead of his competitors, he invested in the technology yes. that would enable him to call races earlier than the other networks. And that and the journalism was the end of the thing that ended up fucking <laughs> kicking their ass. So, yeah, it's it's again, I uh, it's been like it's it's the levels of, you know, irony and and Shakespearean tragedy here. It's like again, I, if you were a screen, you putting on my screenwriter hat, I would really struggle to come up with something more original than this. Cause it's just, it's so amazing. I mean, the moment in my story, when Jerry Hall uh, makes an effigy of Rupert ties dental floss around its neck and burns it on her barbecue, right. you know, because he's so mad about the divorce. I mean, that's an amazing scene. I mean, I, I don't know if I could invent that. Yeah. 
How would you, as someone who chronicles this world, like to see succession end? Oh, God. Um, that is an amazing question. A lot of pressure. Um, I want Jerry to take the whole company. Yeah, I was going to say there's it's some some variation on it. I don't think any of the kids will get it. I think, and that's the, that's the thing is they've, they schemed and they competed and they they chased after their father's love yeah. for so long. Well, if it's King Lear, they'll all kill each other and there will be nothing. But nothing. we'll see if that happens. I agree with you. I don't think one of them is going to emerge uh, as victorious. I think it will be something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. Uh, I, I definitely can't wait, obviously. And it, it is amazing. Like the um, this piece, essentially, I, I, I did not know the the surprise was coming in the last episode but it's like now now we really get to see like what's going to happen to them it's like almost a preview of what will happen to the murdoch empire now that uh now that it's just the kids i know we'll have something to judge against it against it you know. so obviously you're watching the trial this next mm -hmm. week uh, what are what should we look for when rupert testifies i mean do you think that this will lay bare to everyone his both physical and mental state is mental states okay right yeah it's, it's funny i got a text from a fox person um the other day when the judge admonished the fox lawyers and and the text was uh, sort of joking they said you know do we want to lose this trial like just the feeling inside the network is that the legal strategy has been so flawed up to this point the fact that you know rupert is going to have to take the stand i mean this is, I'd love to get your take on this. Why have they not settled? I mean, well, I, I mean, I think that they have tried. I know. I mean, obviously, I mean, everybody has their number, and perhaps they haven't offered a number that is that high. But I think what Dominion wants goes beyond money. Yeah. They want on air apologies. Yep. They want donations to certain causes. They want a lot of things that show the world that Fox lied and fucked up. And it's not just write a check and go on doing what you were doing. Yeah. Now, I wonder if there's a strategic strategy here, a legal strategy where if Rupert comes off as a quiet, humble, sort of elderly old man, does that get sympathy from a jury? I mean, is there a value in him seeming frail? Maybe, especially since the questioning is largely going to focus on the fact that he was an officer of Fox News. And how much did he know? How much did he know? And what was he directing? And you have this deposition testimony that is him saying that these lies are crazy and that his people were endorsing them. Mm -hmm. He's got to, it's almost like they want him to kind of feel, it's like James in the phone, phone hacking, hacking inquiry. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I might've gotten dozens of emails on this subject, email. but I don't read that stuff. Yeah, yeah. What am I doing? I'm the CEO. I, I'm not reading that stuff. Yeah. So maybe we, we might see that. Yeah, I, I I think there is there is some of that, and um and I just you know the idea that um he was saying he was too old to testify, and I, the judge said, well, you're this was when he was in getting engaged. You're you have a new girlfriend, so clearly you're you're not too frail for for that. Like he just had his Daniel Craig moment. He's uh, frolicking in the ocean. Yeah. All right, Gabriel Sherman. Thank you very much. Peaceandvanityfair.com is great, and uh, look forward to chatting with you about this trial and seeing how it goes. Great. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. All right. We are back with the call sheet. Happy Coachella weekend, Craig. It's the best weekend of the year, Matt. All the Coachella <laughs> people are gone and all the best restaurants and bars are half filled. <laughs> I know. Uh, and it's the worst people in LA that are all gone uh, that you get to celebrate. Except Lucas. 
Luke, yeah, with Lucas Shaw accepted. Although I have seen some photos of Lucas at Coachella that are questionable. Is that but, right? Uh, Does he put on like the the classic like bohemian style clothing? I know, there's been some hats involved, some questionable mm. hats. Yeah, but whatever. We uh, we wish him well at Coachella. Uh, that is not what I want to talk about. Renfield, the big quasi reboot of the Monsters franchise at Universal. They own all the classic monster movie. Uh, IP, and they want to reinvent Dracula with Renfield. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. $10 million is the tracking for this movie. And that is a big disappointment. They spent about $65 million on this. They paid Nicolas Cage, whatever it costs to get Nicolas Cage to play Dracula. Uh, Nick Holt is a kind of up-and-coming young star. Uh, I guess not that up-and-coming anymore. But I don't know, man. If you can't make this work, uh, this looks appealing. R-rated comedy with the horror genre. Um, it's tough. Yeah, this tracking lower than Cocaine Bear is depressing to me. I know. Um, should Universal just give up on the monster thing? Probably. I don't know. They've tried all these different ways. The mummy didn't work. And it's just people don't really relate to these things anymore. Um, but given that, given all that negativity around Renfield, I actually do think it will beat the 10 million tracking. I think it'll probably get to 11, 12. Um, that's up against The Pope's Exorcist, which is a Russell Crowe kind of yeah. genre thriller, which could actually beat it. I don't think it will. And obviously, Mario. it's up against another, yeah, it's up against another Universal movie in Mario, which they hoped would have very different audiences, and I think they will. But uh, Mario, the question on Mario is whether it drops, you know, 50% from the three-day last week, 60%. Um, some of these Marvel movies have been dropping 70%. In the, in the second weekend, I don't think so. The kids' movies tend to drop less. So anywhere between 50 and 60% drop for Mario would be considered good. I will take the over two on Renfield. It's also, this movie's only 93 minutes long. It's a minute longer than the Mario movie, which shocked me. I was expecting it to be over two hours. Get in, get out. Universal's done that a lot lately. Cocaine Bear wasn't that long. Um, they, you know, Megan wasn't that long either. I think they're recognizing that. Our short want. movies back. Air was under two hours. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, you, this is your like hobby horse you get on. Uh, but we're going to get into the summer and they're going to get longer. longer. I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by Renfield. I'm prepared to eat my own words. Oh, are you going to see it? Uh, I, I've heard from a few people who went to a screening that it was, it was, it was good. It was solid. Yeah. The Rotten Tomatoes is not bad. And we'll see what the audience score is. I think it's well casted. I don't know why the tracking is so low. It's, that's, yeah. I like Nick Holt. I like Aquafina. So we'll see. And Cage's Dracula, I think, is the best pick you could have made. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, everything's been overperforming, although I absolutely lost my first tracking bet last week. I predicted Air would not get to 20, and it did. Barely got to 20. Um, let's see how that movie does this week. I think they are hoping, Amazon, that it has a pretty good hold of uh, the dad audience. A little late to come out to the theater, but maybe they will. I don't know about that, but it's going to be huge on Amazon. I know that. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Gabe Sherman. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck, and I want to thank you. We will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look 
and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 